Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod after a wonderful weekend of Super Rugby. Two weeks left in the regular season and seven of the eight teams have got a chance at a home playoff game. So this is exactly what we're wanting when we get to this time of the season. I'm Ross Carl taking you through the action this weekend. Joined as ever, both of them in the big screen this week, Bryn Down in Christchurch, James Parsons on the beautiful North Shore. Guys, what a weekend and how this is shaping to be. Bryn, let's start with you guys. Uh, super impressed with the way you guys played against the Brumbies, especially in that first half. Yeah, it was, it was Ross. Um, look, it's great to be home. Uh, it was a long trip for us, uh, you know, three, four weeks away from home and um, some pretty hostile environments. And look, yeah, Canberra um, was a great was a great time for us, I think. Um, it's been a probably a two-week two week game, I think, that we've played um, really well. You know, it started with the force and talking about our collisions and that's kind of continued that we did on the weekend. Look, I think that first 40 minutes was probably the best, um, you know, game management we've had the whole year with Will, Jordan, David and Richie um, putting in the right parts of the field and being able to accumulate points through that pressure. Um, and then, yeah, I think some just a lot more better around winning collisions and getting a really quick ball. Because I think, you know, the last two games we've seen seen a lot of that. And I think after that Waratahs game, we've had a lot of shifts in that kind of area. And I think just more so our game manager around our kicking um, has been really great for us the last two weeks. And so setting up really perfectly for us, you know, coming into Christchurch, coming back home and probably knowing that it's going to be wet, dewy conditions, um, you would put ourselves in a good spot. But knowing that, you know, Got a lot of things to work on. You'll look at that last 20 minutes um, and giving the Brumbies, you know, ample opportunities to try and come back and to win that game was a little bit disappointing. But look, coming back from from the tour, three wins out of four. Um, and the last two performances, um, definitely, um, they've made it a lot easier uh, coming back home after that um, loss to the Waratahs. Jibber, they are making your Blues maybe sweat it because they're looking like they're a serious contender. Well, I think the uh, Crusaders will always make teams sweat with, with their ability coming into the finals and think key players playing really well and um, you know Richie's really finding some form and David Harvilli I thought was great and, and as Bryn mentioned just Will Jordan doing Will Jordan things um, as per usual so I, I thought that was a massive statement to win over in Canberra um, and it certainly shows that their finals really is as per usual. For me that said match of the round it said match of the round because it showed business um, what about you Jipper what did you think was the match of the round? Oh, look, I think in terms of uh, the matchup and the impressive uh, performance of the Crusaders was the game that everyone was interested to see. And, and look, I don't want to um, be too hard on the Brumbies, but it felt like, like Bryn said, the game management um, of, of Richie and co really sort of made them do it with ease a little bit. Uh, um, you know, I think the Brumbies will look back at that first 40 and 
they're a little bit disappointed um, in terms of their collision work, and I think they were missing Valentini. I know he's in red hot form, but someone like him um, alongside Samo could have could have um, potentially posed a difference. Noah Lolasio as well. So um, yeah, I think they'll be better for it as well, and, and maybe it'll, br- it'll bring a sharper um, preparation and, and kick them into gear and, and really light up this final series. Um, but outside of that, obviously, I loved um, the Blues game I was with James O'Connor back. Um, I thought that was going to be uh, a tight contest, but um, I suppose the, the clinical nature of the Blues in and around their carries and their cleans uh, is allowing them to, to strike from so far back. They're, they're so disciplined and wanting to have that high standard the whole way through the field that it's sucking in defenders and creating opportunities for their outsides um, from long range. And then the big boys, you know, with numbers one to five, are, are playing like midfield backs at times. So it was it was great to see, pleasing to see a bigger crowd too. And Brenna, it leaves that Blues-Brumbies game this weekend, you know, with the Brumbies coming off a 26-37 loss to the Crusaders and the Blues off a 53-26 to the Reds. And all of them in a very close position at the top of the table. The Blues on 50, the Brumbies on 43, the Crusaders on 43. It really shapes what could be an interesting playoff if the Blues or the Brumbies get the win this weekend. Either way. Yeah, I think it is. And it's the nature of having the, those kind of home finals and home semi-finals, which are going to be really important. Like I know as we know as players that being able to have your finals footy in your backyard um, is massive, especially around the preparation and knowing what that entails. And you make it feel way more easier than it usually has been away from tour. But yeah, I think the Brumbies will be will probably be hurting from that result on the weekend. And look, um, you know, you sometimes you lose games, but it's probably the manner of how they, they lost. You know, I was talking to Nick White after the game and, you know, they probably saw that they wanted to implement a, a similar game plan to how we were putting us under pressure through their kicking game. Um, and they just weren't able to do that just for the fact of that we did it to them and then been able to win collisions. So, um, look, I probably know, knowing Canberra, um, how tough it is. You know, it does be, a, it is a little bit more dewy. And so, you know, the Blues will, will be travelling with a lot of confidence because, you know, look, they're playing, they're the form team in the competition. And I think the good thing that you brought up, Jip, is around their ruthlessness around doing it consistently for 80 minutes. And, you know, that comes with the big boys, one to five, and even six, seven, eight. We know how that loose wall trio is, but it's those big boys being able to win collisions consistently and that breakdown to give the likes of Finlay, Christie, and Bowden Barrett, who I thought was at his running attacking best on the weekend, because all those hard boys have been able to win collisions and been able to offload as well. It's, it's hard to defend teams when you're able to go, when you're offloading through contact and going over the advantage line consistently. And so the Blues, have continued to do that. You know, you'd probably say from out their performance against us, they've continued that, be able to have one offloads and consistently keep winning collisions. And that hasn't even talked about their defense around how disciplined they are. You know, they're in there around the 88, 90% tackle percentage rate. So look, they're flying on all cylinders. And I think, you know, it's come at a really good time. Um, they've been able to fly over Canberra and it'll be a great watch to see how they how they go against the Brumbies with us just playing them. Chipper, I'm going to throw a theory out at you. Um, tell me if I'm crazy. So the Blues on 50 points got a game against the Brumbies and a game against the Waratahs, most likely to beat the Waratahs. So let's say that the Blues take top spot, which will leave probably the Highlanders for them in the quarterfinals. You look at the other end, let's say the Crusaders come second. They could have the Reds, the Tars in the quarterfinal and then the Brumbies in the semis at home. Is it actually better right now to come second in this competition because you get an easier run through the quarters and the semis? No, nah, not at all. I think if you're going to win this competition, you've got to back yourself to beat any team on whatever given day. And I, th- I think that ability, if you can go the distance and have the home final, um, number one mm-hmm. is where you want to be. You're in control of your own destiny. Um, and you know whether it's Highlanders or anyone else, I think we've seen in this competition, if you're off a little bit, you'll get toast. 
So um, even second and third, the, those those quarterfinals are going to be tough battles. Yeah, I just think playing the Highlanders and then playing either probably the Chiefs or the Canes is a pretty tough kick. You could get tripped up there. Oh, definitely. But I think there's there's elements that is, you know, you could look at it from a positive light as it, it sharpens you up. If you can get through those games, your, your match fit, your, your test match and test intensity fit um, leading into the, you know, the final, which is where it will be, you know, all decided. So I, I think if you start worrying and, and focusing on the opposition you're playing, you probably won't dot your I's and cross your T's um, in your own sort of behaviours and your own preparation and, and that'll probably knock you off course anyway. Either way, it's looking pretty bloody exciting with the amount of teams in the running. Like I mentioned earlier, seven of the eight teams could get a home playoff game, um, depending on what happens with the other results. And that is a place that I don't think that we've been in for a long time. So that's very, very exciting. Why don't we jump into the quickfire? As soon as we got straight to the long answers, let's jump back to the quickfire stuff. Player of the round for you, Bryn. Uh, I think she had a couple, a lot of guys that were playing um, were playing really well. But I actually had um, a notable mention for Bowden Barrett. I thought he was great on the weekend and probably had one of his better games in a Blues jersey. Also had Pablo Matera, who was who was massive for us. But um, I actually had uh, Marino Kalitsu. I thought he was um, he was outstanding in that game for the Highlanders and really set the tone. And um, no doubt, Ross, you've been thinking about, is he in contention for All Black selection with his form that has been playing in that loose four trio that we continue to keep popping players up? Mm. But um, yeah, I had Marino. He was fantastic for the Highlanders on the weekend. Jepper? Yeah, look, I, I agree with Bryn. There was some outstanding individual performances across the board, um, you know, uh, one guy that gets slotted in 10 jerseys, Sam Gilbert, I think he's a notable mention. But for me, the big man, James Tucker, is in some form carrying on from his Waikato um, NPC. So seeing the big fella charge up the middle of the field back-to-back weeks, um, you know, really, really impressed me. And, and I, I like to get a low number in, in these discussions too there, Ross. <laughs> yes, you do. We didn't have a chance to get a front rower in there, but you got as close as you possibly could, right? Uh, what about the team that improved the most, Bryn? You know, looking with the context of the playoffs not far away. Oh, look, I think you can go for the draw. Um, you know, they played well and were able to get that um, get that win against the Moana Pacifica. Um, you know, they probably would have been seeing that on the on the schedule, knowing that they were a game that they would have won. But I've actually just gone for the Highlanders. And I think it's because just the growth that they've shown in the amount of points that they're scoring. Um, look, we talked about earlier in the year around how clinical they weren't, they weren't clinical around finishing players, especially in that 22-meter zone and being able to build pressure against teams. And, you know, on the weekend, it, um, you know, it was perfect for them, you know, scoring 61-odd points. And, you know, having Gilbert as well, as 10, um, it was a few head scratches, you know, even when we we're talking about it, um, have given him in the in number 10 jersey, but he was he was outstanding. You know, his ability to be able to take the ball to the line, and look, this is no disrespect to, to Hunty, uh, but, you know, just a bigger body. You know, he's up at that kind of 100 clicks mark, um, and he's played it at school, but, you know, I think, you know, it would be pretty interesting to see which direction they do go moving forward. You'd have to think that, you know, going forward, um, at least for next week, um, this week coming, sorry, that um, Sam will be in there, give another opportunity. But um, yeah, I'd say the Highlanders, just with how clinical and how ruthless they were, which we've been wanting to see, you know, especially the early parts of the year where they weren't getting that right. Yeah, for you, Jibba? Yeah, look, I'm the same. I think the reason you asked that question around uh, the Blues and, and finishing first and playing the Highlanders is because um, of their massive turnaround on the weekend, um, as Bryn sort of alluded to all those points, but it also makes other teams sit up and listen because they, we know that they don't mind that underdog mentality. So coming into the playoffs, they've done it before to win a Super Rugby and no doubt they believe they can do it again. 
What about the team that went backwards, Bryn? Um, I'd have to say the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs would probably be the team that's regressed the most. And look, it's not to say that um, you know the Rebels. You know the Rebels have been playing well, and was probably think about it, they probably should have won that game. And if it wasn't for a last minute try by Ollie Norris, they'll be kicking themselves not getting that four points um, against the Rebels. And so, um, but I think very similar to the Highlanders around that underdog. You know, um, you know, it's it's a bad place if you're going to put. You know, if you're not going to think you're on the Chiefs as genuine title contenders because they're a different team when they get it all right. And so, um, no doubt, you know, the next couple of weeks they'll be want to find a bit of form around their game and getting things right, knowing um, that the playoffs are uh, just around the corner. Because you know, uh, a Chiefs team that's um, that's flying hot is going to be a tough one to to get through. But I think it's just important that probably the next two weeks they want to. Um, sort out a few things that, you know, it's probably the unforced errors and, um, you know, keeping those kind of games um, in, in the balance for that long. I'll probably be a bit disappointed with how they went on the weekend. They tried their best to blow it. Um, and then they, they managed to not by, by doing the opposite at the very end. Um, what about you, Jip? Yeah, look, I think probably two New Zealand sides will be, um, you know, running the eye over um, the review this week. You know, the Canes and the Chiefs probably didn't get the, the five points that they were heading over to get. Um, but they got the win nonetheless. But, um, you know, coming into playoffs, I think Clayton McMillan um, nailed it uh, when he said, you know, the urgency and desperation that we showed in the last minute to get that try is, is what he wants to see across the 80 minutes. And um, we certainly know they're capable of it. Um, and he, they've got some strong leaders in that in that group. So look for a bounce back this weekend, I'd say. It is interesting with them. They've won four out of their last five. You know, they're in fourth place within reach of a home playoff. And yet they're just not quite there, Bryn. But it probably indicates that a not quite there Chiefs um, are still chalking up the wins that this is a team to look out for. Oh, 100%. Look, you'd rather, you know, make those four points. And look, it's different. It's difficult going to Australia. I think, you know, people having this perception that going to Australia doesn't matter, they should be getting wins. But, you know, even us know when we played the Waratahs, if you're a little bit off in these games, you know, the Australian teams have made a massive improvement around last year and been able to put us under pressure. And so, um, you know, the Rebels did that on the weekend. They continue to keep staying in the fight. And that's been a common common word that we've used with these Australian teams that it comes to resilience. And, and, you know, when they're under pressure, they're not folding as they were last year. So, you know, going to Australia, it's, it's a different beast. And, you know, you look at the Waratahs in Sydney as well, that was a packed a packed stadium at Leichhardt and you know we were, had those ex, um, those experiences as well and it's just different it's a different uh, preparation it's a different scenario going over there and you know these Australian teams have really improved and so um, New Zealanders would probably think they're going over to get five points but you know with the improvement of this Australian teams uh, I'm not surprised at all seeing how tight these last t- couple of tussles have been. They had Brad Webber back they had Joshuane back um, Jipper what did you make of the injection they made on this game and, and in the end the effect on them winning it? Yeah, look, I think Brad would have, um, you know, had a big part to play in terms of the, the leadership side. I think Josh was great at times. He made a number of line breaks and probably they just couldn't finish them off. Um, and, and, you know, when you come back from such a long layoff, it isn't um, always easy to play, you know, 10 out of 10. But I think both of them performed um, well enough to warrant, you know, selection next week. And I, I actually thought... Be interested in Bryn's comments. I thought Xavier Rowe showed good composure um, and, and metal um, to get through that last bit and, and get to that try. Like he just seemed to have a, a calm nature and a, an approach that he was almost like, we'll get there when we get there and not trying to rush it. 
Yeah, I did. And look, you probably look at those two, thinking that Brad's probably going to be starting. Um, you're going to be starting for, you know, the next couple of rounds and moving into that playoff system. But, you know, Cortez Ratima has been fantastic with his opportunities when, when Brad's been injured. And then you've got a guy like Xavier Rowe, who at the start of the year was in behind Brad and has been consistently playing well when he's been given an opportunity. So, you know, they're, they're at the moment, you've got three great nines that are um, that are playing well. But I think, you know, coming into the final series, you know, that experience off the bench, which whether whatever way they do go, um, you know, Cortez has played you know a big pan when he played a Waikato in the Modern Team Cup, sorry, Bunnings NPC, and Xavier's had a bit of time in that experience as well. So, yeah, if I'm Clayton, it's going to be a tough way to go because you've got two nines that are playing well and probably need that experience coming into the finals of like that scenario. You know, whoever's got the kind of game management and understanding in those uh, moments will probably get the edge in that um, backup role for Brad. The Chiefs have the force and the Drua, so they've got two opportunities there to pick up some wins, um, I think, which is which is good for them. The force game looks like they are at home, and so, you know, that's a really solid position for them to be in, to maybe pick up eight to ten points, and then they'll certainly be in the running there, while as the Canes maybe are doing it uh, a little bit differently. They've got the Rebels, and the Canes have also got if I, the force. So actually, they've both got, you know, very promising run-ins, those two teams, um, for that fourth and fifth and possible home playoff spot. <clears throat> Jeff. Yeah, force away though for the Canes last round. Mm-hmm. That's that, that that's um, you know always a challenging trip as we've seen for most sides. So um, you know the Chiefs being at home probably um, gives them the leg up, and and you'd have to say it's theirs to to give away if you if you know what I mean. Like they they're sitting there, they've just got to win the last two and and, and get themselves into a home playoff. Chip, I feel like we haven't given you enough a chance to talk about the Blues. Another 50 points. Um, uh, we've mentioned Tucker, we've mentioned Barrett. Um, maybe let's talk Petafeta. You know, we're, we're looking mm. at Damien McKenzie-style replacements, 10-15 guys. Can we start looking past this guy? We have to stop looking past this guy now. He is looking like he's a real option for the All Blacks. Oh, 100%. I think he's right in the um, selection mix. And that's just on a, a long term. You know, when you make, make the All Blacks, it's not just about one season. Like, he's, he had a massive season with Taranaki, and now he's just bringing um, that game to, to super rugby level and, and confident to step up. I mean, in the grubber for Bodie, you know, he steps into first receiver. Bodie's outside him. You know, neither of them are, you know, too worried about that. They, they definitely don't mind that dual playmaker. And, and they're even crafty enough to come up with little kickoff plays that um, ended out beautifully for Caleb Clark. So he, he's definitely in um, great form. He's playing with confidence. Um, but you know, we sort of spoke about um, you know Brad Weber and Joshuani and, and how they went for the Chiefs. Uh, the reality is, is what the pack is putting up front is allowing these guys time. And when you've got guys with that sort of pace and, and the ability and vision to see space and um, you know, bend defences, it's all due to the fact that, you know, the big boys up front are, are one, cleaning bodies, sucking more defenders in and creating that space on the outside. So I have no doubt um, that uh, those boys will be thanking, thanking that, that big machine up front. Mm. Hey, you mentioned um, Barrett earlier and how well he's played, Bryn. Is this his best performance for this franchise so far, do you think? Oh, I think, you know, you probably people would say that it would, but I'll tell you what, he wasn't that bad when he played us um, a couple of weeks ago. So um, just considering the, you know, probably that, that was probably the game for me, I think, in the Blues jersey. I think, you know, what was on the line that night um, and how he kind of game managed that, that game in the moments and the, 
the, the, the ways that he influenced that game. I'd probably say the game against us was probably his best in the in the Blues jersey. Uh, but look, that Reds game, look, he was fantastic, you know, scoring tries off a little little kick from Perifeta and then, um, you know, being able to attack the line. Uh, like Jip said, you know, that, that forward pick's given him great ball and even the likes of Finlay Christie with his speed of tempo, it's um, been able to light up that, that back line as well. So um, I'd probably say the one against us with what was on the line, Ross, but mm. um, look, that Reds would be uh, not too far from behind. 19 tries in two games, Jipper. What do you do to shut this team down? Look, I sort of mentioned it before, the, the, their forward pack's doing such a good job in, in the breakdown and the, the tough carry area that they're allowing time and space and defence is a court short. And, and you know a lot of the time their lines are broken because they, they are, they're one, not slowing the ball down, so they're not buying their teammates time to get set and get up. And you know the last two weeks, the Rebels and Reds just struggled to get any line speed pressure. And the only way you're going to challenge skills or um, make, you know, attacker have to make a decision or catch them behind the gain line is, is those two things, is, is slow the ball down at the breakdown, give yourself time, and then once you've bought that time, you've got to get up and get in their faces and, and force them to make a decision. We have seen... I think, sorry. Go on. Sorry, Rossi, just, just to go from that. Look, I think, um, you know, we've talked a lot around the offloads and been able to win collisions and contact, but... They can do it both ways. They can do it. They can win games in a lot of ways now. You know, whether it be through their set piece, they can go through like line out drive malls, being able to exert pressure using their maul. They've got a dominant scrum, you know, a lot of All Blacks in that pack, and they've got a great kicking game, whether it be off Finlay. Um, you've got obviously Perifeta and Bowden Barrett, even um, Sullivan uses that left educated boot very, very well when he's playing. So um, they've got a lot of ways that they can beat teams. So look, if you think you can win it in the collision area, they can, they can take you to set piece and try to take your legs out of that. If you win that, and they can try and kick you through their contestable games and their long and their long kicking game as well. So um, it's just not their their contact and collision area. I think they've got a lot of a lot of ways that they can um, they, they can beat you at the moment. And a lot of experience in there that's that's playing paying dividends. You know, Bryce Hems a really good example of that, Jip. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think we've we've you know talked about it at length that depth of squad and having the ability of that next man up mindset that we've seen so long and with the Crusaders success um, you know they've built a really um, deep roster and, and guys with that experience to come on and, and get the job done like he did um, so you know sometimes you see when guys get to the latter part of their career they're just back enjoying it and playing it for the love of the game and that's what it looks like when Bryce plays he just does it with a smile on his face and he's just so excited to be part of it and, and get the ball in his hands or make it make his tackles and being around the group so I think he's had a massive um, impact off the field as well in terms of the way he prepares and, and what he's learned over his time as a professional. And that spreads through the younger members, which is, you know, obviously um, good in terms of the prep and, and how they can perform as well. Mm. Let's talk about Tucker. You mentioned him before. Obviously, when you look at the All Blacks setup, you've got those three kind of key guys, Whitelock, Retallick and Barrett, who are, you know, almost certainly always going to be there within the locking mix. And then when you look across the country, I think Akoi was pretty impressive for the Chiefs on the weekend. Tucker is looking really, really strong. You know, there's there's a few players in and around that next lot, which is probably an undecided area. Um, do you feel like Tucker is a shot at this all-black squad, considering the form that he's shown this year, Jim? I definitely think he's an opportunity, and, and I think you're right. There is opportunity in that, um, in and around that area, whether there may be an injury or, um, you know, so obviously senior players coming to the latter end of their career. And someone like James, like he's always had the talent. Um, he's always had the body. He's got the physical attributes. He's got the game. 
It's just his body's let him down at times with injuries. He's had back-to-back, you know, um, serious injuries, which has always held him back, and he hasn't been able to get games on the bounce. And I think you saw throughout Waikato, I think he was up for one of the MPC Player of the Year, and, and now he's, you know, back in the frame of the Blues. He's getting back-to-back sort of 80-minute shifts, and you've seen the benefit of that. And so th- there's definitely no reason why he can't be in that um, discussion. And just the way he's playing, like, he, he's, he's playing like... That, that fend, the world's longest fend, he just dragged that fullback about 15 metres. Um, but, you know, that's, that's that sort of um, Brody Retallick-like mindset you want to see in, in, in these young locks. And, and, you know, I think he's got all the skill set. And if he gets the opportunity, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll make most of it. Yeah, well, you guys played against him. What did you make of him up front? Oh, just solid. Like he's, um, you know, you kind of, especially with Tom Pomacu with how his kind of mindset is and how he is. You know, with the tough stuff in the middle, we're through the contact collision and being able to win those moments through your ruck ball is really important when it comes to quick ball. And, you know, James has been doing that um, for the whole year for the Blues. And then, like you said, his running ability and being able to give the world's longest fend um, and seeing him running up the middle of the park um, is a great attribute to have as well that's been in his game. And so, um, look, he's probably, you know, one of the form players in that Blues team and it probably goes a little bit under the radar. But, you know, there's been a lot of... In- if you look at the lock and injuries, I took look at us, for example, with the Crusaders... You know, we've had four lock-in injuries um, for the duration of the year. So, look, there's injuries and you continue to keep playing well, especially in the later part of the year. Um, you know, you put pressure on selectors to be able to put you in the conversation of being given an opportunity uh, to don the black jersey. That's why it never hurts to be in a team on the top of the table, right? You know, there's plenty of examples over history of people who, um, whether they should have been there or shouldn't have been there, are in the top team and look good in the top team and make their way into the All Blacks, and that's that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they go with them. Let's chat a little bit about the Canes. Um, again, going down early. Again, fighting their way back. Um, again, Adi Savia showing just how important he is as a player within that team in New Zealand rugby as a whole. Where are they at, Bryn, considering, you know, those early struggles and then the guts that they're showing off the back of it? Well, I think that's just it, Ross. I think, you know, we talked about it at length at the start of the year. You know, they had, they're probably the best team with the last 20 minutes being able to score points, you know, through the injection of their bench. And probably the thing for them is they want to be able to start right. You know, the ability to look to go down 15-0 at Leichhardt was, you know, it was tough, man. I looked at that, you know, that first half. They had a couple of opportunities that they probably missed out, which probably would have had the, um, you know, the scoreboard a little bit different. It was the uh, the 23rd, you know, missed try from Karifi and then a, they had a bit of momentum and they knocked it on in the, you know, 33rd, 34th minute, being able to, you know, that was the moment to build pressure and possibly score points and then you know coming out of the second half probably had a I would have been interested to hear their halftime talk from from Jace Holland uh, because they came out and they were able to grind out a wing you know it was a, a good word was actually used with their result from the Australian commentators was it was a brave it was a brave victory from them because like, they didn't start well and very similar to the Chiefs you know they're not you know there's some probably some things that they want to work on where they think they can be better but look being able to get four points coming back from from that 15-0 um, deficit, you know, we weren't able to come back and win that game. And the Waratahs at the moment are playing some really good footy to be able to win those games. Um, but, you know, again, it's their ability to be able to get behind Artie Sevier with his try in the 74th minute. And they've been able to hold on, um, you know, for, for a victory that they'll be thinking will take the win. But, uh, you know, they'll probably have a pretty tough review um, for the next coming days for sure. Again, we saw Geordie at 12 and he was impressive at 12 with Josh Morby at fullback. Is it time for them just to settle on that combination and, and stick with it through the back end of the season, Jibba? Um, yeah, well, I think someone like Geordie's experience outside Aidan Morgan is, is probably helping his game as well. And, and, you know, he's still a young man and developing 
And and I mean, so much of um, the play is centered around Geordie, whether he's at 15 or 12. So I don't think it's overly different. The only probably difference is, is that freedom to inject himself into the line, having that tight the back. But Morby's playing so well, and that, and and I think Geordie's doing a, a great job at 12. You look at Sullivan's try. Um, you know, he breaks through three or four tackles to free that ball up, and and then Artie um, links up with with Baylor Sullivan for the try. But without that big body um, sucking in three or four um, Waratahs defenders and then getting the offload away, uh, you know that that try doesn't happen, and then they probably don't win that game. So I, I think he's a, he's a crucial cog, and maybe you know at this stage and and what he's showing uh, going into finals footy, um, they do have the medal um, for these tight. Um, you know, competition games to to push it deep. Probably a little bit. They'd probably like to get ahead a little bit earlier than they do. But their temperament and their experience in these sort of tough must-win situations because they've started slow is probably setting them up um, as a little bit of a, a a strength in a way for for the harder games when it comes to that finals. Mm, we dark horse for the playoffs. Yeah. They can tip anybody up. Are you surprised, Bryn, that Julian Savier, who got a, a, a shot at 12 earlier on the season and looked relatively impressive there, hasn't been given another crack in that spot? Uh, not necessarily. I think, you know, because Jules has been playing well on the wing the whole year, pretty much for the Hurricanes. Um, you know, it's a hotly contested spot for, for that group, with obviously with Ray Arce, Wes Houston, um, who's been playing really well, and Morby, who we were just alluded to. Um, but I think the thing with Richie, uh, not Richie, sorry, um, Geordie, it's his ability to be able to be a triple threat. And look, that's not to say that, that Jules isn't. I mean, he showed glimpses of that when he was at 12, his distribution skills and being able to show that kind of side to him. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Probably haven't seen with him at winger, but the ability that Geordie has when it comes to the contact area, his passing game, his distribution, sorry, his, um, his kicking game and his running game and defensively, he's tough and has been making those decisions and knowing what it makes to be a 12 um, I think it's just important for him to be able to play at 12 and what he can give them going forward in the back end of the season. Because in these tight games, I think those are the attributes that you need, which, you know, Geordie is a massive strength of his. And so 
Um, you know, but if Jeff, if Jordy ends up getting injured or there's something that's not that's working with that, then Jules has the ability to be able to be that kind of um, impact player and being able to bring those some of those attributes that Jordy has uh, when he does play twelve. It just it feels to me, Jip, like a, a few weeks ago we were talking about how impressive he was looking, and slowly that conversation has slid away. Is do you think Julian is still in the conversation for an All Black squad spot? Well, look, I, I agree with Bren. Like, probably the reason he hasn't got uh, a go at twelve is he's just played so well um, in his usual um, eleven jersey. Um, and and I think you've always got to credit players that are adjusting their game. Um, to make sure that they, you know, can still get selected, and I, some of the elements that Julian's added to his game, you know, especially his kicking game um, and the aerial game, um, have been massive. You know, a lot of a lot of the times the Canes have a lot of success is when they they get their kick uh, strategy right, and a lot of the time it's, um, you know, Julian getting up and, and tapping the ball back, putting that pressure in those contestable areas. So um, I, I think he's there or thereabouts, but it's just where where he fits. Um, because there's just so many, you know, quality wingers going around um, at the moment that that were previously in the All Blacks um, jersey. But as I've said before, with a new selector um, and Joe Schmidt and what he's looking for, it may be different, um, you know, in terms of what how they select. He is definitely a wild card. I think he was on the breakdown on the weekend, Joe Schmidt. Uh, a, a lot announced there. Do you think we could see a difference in direction because of Joe Schmidt, Brent? Um, oh, I, I don't think so. I think collectively there's probably, you know, there's a lot of ideas and, you know, you've got the coaches that have been there from, from the get-go and they'll have their, you know, their clear plan around what they're seeing. But, you know, what Joe does do, he's got a different set of eyes and he's been in a different part of the world for a long time and was a massive around Ireland success. And so anytime you can get that kind of experience and being able to look at a different um, area where, you know, all of us could find a bit of, you know, one or two percent here that could be the difference come World Cup time or even this Ireland series, um, you know, to have a guy like Joe Smith in that environment um, is going to be great for them moving forward. Mm. Before we move on from the Canes, uh, another chance for you to talk about Isaiah Parisi. Um, played again very, very well on the weekend, Chip. Starting centre for the Wallabies, is, is he a shoo-in for that role? Oh, look, I think they're desperate to um, utilise him, aren't they? Again, probably injuries have held him back at that international level. Um, he does seem to play... Um, really well outside for Kitty. So um, can he strap up, um, you know, that relationship with, with Paisami? I'm not too sure. Um, but his skill set and, and his ability to do things, you know, other players can't um, is, is second to none. And, and when he's on, he's on, I think his big challenge will just be getting that consistency um, and, and performances at that next level up. Mm. Uh, the Tars take on the Highlanders this weekend. Um, you mentioned Sam Gilbert at the start of the show. Do they need to stick with him now? Um, he, he's shown that he can do it. Do it again against the Waratahs, Bryn? I think you've got to give him, him an opportunity to do it. Um, look, I think the way that he played and you know the result that they got and how they won that game, you know, Sam was a, was a big part of that. And look, you know, that result doesn't come through the hard work of their forward. And so, you know, the forward pack probably deserves a bit of a pat on the back with their um, with their performance on the weekend and being able to give Sam and Nuggy those guys opportunities to be able to perform like that. But um, yeah, you've always got Hunty and you know what, you know, you know what you're gonna get with Hunty. And so just with due with the fact that how his performance as well as how his goal kicking, which was really good as well, um, he's probably warranted another another start um, for for this coming week. What impressed you most about him, Jip? Um, just how Gutsy was like he just didn't seem overawed. He didn't look like he felt like he was under pressure. 
he's had moments when he's played at, at fullback for me that I've gone, man, this this kid's got something you know, you know special. And I think given that opportunity to get the ball in his hands more often than not, and um, you know, as Bryn said, he's sort of a run first first five, which will always put the defences. Um, on notice and that opens up opportunities for the short kicking game and, and you know releasing that ball um, to his outsides and, and getting around defences like that. So I think he's got the ability to remain there. I don't see how you could drop him after a performance like that. Like he, he was um, exceptional and and that confidence. And I also think that the guy outside him is doing a great job, Umanga Jensen. I, I just think he is... Um, a quality player and has an amazing ability to get through defences when it almost looks like it's it's shut up shop, but he seems to pop out the other side. So I think both of them being such physical presence, it, it, you know, if, if it's not quite going to plan, they can just go direct, get across the gain line and bring their forwards into it. Because, you know, look at Andrew Makalao, I think he, you know, he delivers a ball, he gets round and then, you know, the, the big man comes in and, and scores a try. So he's got double touches. So there's a lot to like around what their type five's doing as well off the back of, um, you know, what, what Sam delivered. And um, I think they can get excited by that. But this is a big challenge. Like the Waratahs will want to bounce back. And I think we will see mm. if that injection of confidence from the other night has got them on a run. Um, if they can't back it up, then, you know, like after you've had a tough season, the Demons can sort of get away with you. But if I reckon if they back it up, whatever's happened before will be gone from their memory banks and they'll be playing... Um, with with plenty of um, confidence. Brent, let's talk a bit of Falao Fakatana. Oh, okay, go on. Sorry. What did we say that the number eight coming in with a hot form? Did we not say this, Ross? That yeah. That could happen. This just adds to the competition. If they can get that job done, I will tell you what, you know, getting the Highlanders on, you know, a couple of wins, if they can build that confidence, because they're probably going to finish eight. Woof. That's going to be a tough one. Come one and eight, one v eight. <laughs> Hand that one over to the Blues, huh? <laughs> Happily, we'll see. That. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Falau Fakatava, we've spoken a lot about him over the last couple of years. We're getting to business time now, and he's starting to hit his form. And the All Blacks will likely take three halfbacks into that series against Ireland. Is he one of those three blokes? Have we seen enough for him to be in there with most likely Aaron Smith? Of course, we've just seen Brad Weber back. Uh, how does this work out for you, Bryn, with these three halfbacks? Well, it's tough because there's, there's depth in that position. Um, you know, if you've got the three that you're talking about, you've got Nuggy, you've got Brad, and you've got TJ, who's done a lot in that in that um, in the All Black environment. And you've got Finlay Christie, who you could arguably say is the form halfback in the competition. So, um, but what well, Falau has done really well, and it's probably the fact that he gets me at the Highlanders, is he gets to play under under Aaron Smith in that kind of bench role. Because if you're thinking around, you know, the All Blacks starting, they could go in any direction, but you'd think that Nuggie would be yeah, the incumbent starting. And then what can you bring off the bench? And, you know, so what Falau's been doing the last two weeks off the bench and been able to influence influence games, you know, that's a real strength of his and been able to have that ability. So that's a, a feather in his cap that he can bring, the fact that he is at the Highlanders. Um, but I think it, you need to see more of it from, from Falau because, you know, there's a lot of guys that have proven at that level and knowing that, you know, the, the Irish are coming. Um, they're coming after a, a really good Six Nations. And then, you know, obviously with the result that they had the All Blacks. And so you, know, you want to have your three best halfbacks. So whether he can come in, um, I'm, I'm not too sure, just because there's, um, there's just experienced nines around. But if he keeps continuing to play like he is, um, and there's an injury there, then he could, you know, he could get an opportunity in that All Black squad. 
It's good to have a point of difference guy in and around the nine jersey though, right? I mean, we've seen it over the years with, um, with TJ, where he brings a different kind of game off the bench. He brings physical running, uh, an eye for a gap, that kind of stuff. And Falau does that really well, Jipper. Is, is he basically head-to-head -head with TJ, do you think, for that third role? Um, that's a tough one because I, I don't think you can leave Christy out because I agree. I think oh, he's yeah. a form halfback and I thought, I think he was great on the end of your tour as well. So he's, he's backed mm -hmm. that up now with form. So you've got to think he's going to take one spot, you know, Nuggie's going to take the other. And then you've got Brad Weber, TJ and Falau fighting. Um, so I think it may potentially help that he's got something that he offers that is different. Like we've seen. Um, from TJ over the years, but I don't think you can rule out Brad Weber either of picking up that third spot um, and, and what he can he can offer that um, All Black squad as well. So um, I know I sort of have gone around not answering that, but I just don't have it clear. I don't have it clear in my own head, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, because think... the Irish test is a key in terms of, I think, experience could play a part, and that may give you know TJ or Brad the upper hand to pick up that third spot. And I think also, Ross, you know, you've got the Irish series and there could be injuries where, you know, where that happens and, they, you know, Falau could be given an opportunity. But, you know, there is an end of year tour that, that is coming. You know, we're playing, you know, the, I think the schedule's been going, you know, we play Japan and then we end up going to the, uh, the Northern Hemisphere after that. So, look, um, I know that's not a lot amount of time, but, you know, that could be another opportunity where they might be able to blood in um, Falau and to get him in the environment and seeing um, how he goes at that kind of back end of the year. Moving on to the Drua versus um, Moana Pacifica. We had a, a good one there for the drawer. Um, did that go as you expected, Bryn? Um, Probably not, actually. Um, I thought it'd be a little bit tighter, and you know, thinking that Moana actually might get that W. But I think, you know, knowing um, you know, the Fijian draw, they probably would have scheduled that in their in their calendar, knowing that um, that was going to be a, a big encounter and a, and, a, and a win for them. And you know, it was great to see, you know, the pleasantries before the game around the the huckers and. The wall dance, um, you know, added to that spectacle of what it was. But um, yeah, look, I think if you're the Fijian draw, you're bloody stoked with with that result and getting that win and um, the kind of um, the way they played and being able to get that result, knowing that you know, the Moana Pacific were probably thinking that they could get that win. But you know, in the end, it was um, it was pretty convincing. And you know, even Rovovo, you know, that trolled a nail really at the back end. Um, you know, that was the winning of the game. But um, you know, the Fijian draw will be very um, very happy with that, knowing that they're coming to Christchurch and playing us in, in a couple of days' time. There have been a lot of impressive guys out of those two teams, despite the fact that they're right there at the bottom of the table, Chipper. Uh, who in particular stood out to you that is warranting test selection for CG, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga? Well, uh, I think um, Voto, the, the centre, he, he just seems, to, yeah, he got a couple of tries, but also his defensive work. Um, Hambossi was a great, again, uh, loose forward trio was, was awesome for Fiji. The one thing I do um, love about this team is they're starting to get the idea of how they need to manage their game. You know, picking up threes here and there just to get that scoreboard pressure and knowing when to do the quick taps and um, not. Um, and I think Moana Pacifica will be disappointed, I, I'd say, because I, mm. I thought it would be a little bit closer. And again, it's just if you look at their turnover number, and the, the amount of penalties, they're just giving oppositions too many times, um, either the ball back um, or piggybacking them up the field. Um, so uh, I think, you know, that they probably would have challenged that game and, and sort of targeted as, as four points. Um, but in the end, the, the way the, the Indrua got off to such a hot start, 
um, it was just too much um, with the high error rate to, to you know, pull back. Uh, let's talk about our Super Rugby Dream Teams. Do you guys think that any of those blokes fit into your Dream Team uh, from that game on the weekend, Bryn? Uh, no, the notable mentions, but uh, no, they, they, they didn't um, didn't make my team. Um, one, actually, sorry, from one from Warner Pacifica, uh, Pacifica did, but um, yeah, from what we've just talked about, um, there's um, too many good players that have played this this week that are warranted form in the form fifteen for me this week. Okay, let us know who you got. All right, um, I'm going to start off with uh, Fletcher Newell and Georgie Bauer and the props. I just think with how what the kind of occasion was around knowing that um, the set piece wise. Uh, for the Brumbies, uh, we really needed a front of the end. They were at, they were right at it, right a part of it. But um, I've got Andrew Makaleo at, at, at two, who I thought was was great on the weekend. Um, I've got Tucker four, Sam Whitelock at five. I've got Pablo Mateta at six. Uh, I've got Ethan um, as a notable mention, but I've got Gamble from the Waratahs chip, um, who I thought was great on the weekend. I've got Marino, obviously, as my mat, uh, match of the round. And then here you go, Jip. Um, a lot of Blues players to come here, mate. So stay with me. Uh, I've gone Finlay Christie at nine. I've gone Bodie. Um, notable mention for Rich in his form, but I've gone Bodie. Caleb Clark, two of us a Sheik. I wanted to go Heen um, at centre, who I thought came on and played really well, but I've gone for Parisi um, in his performance against the, against the for the Waratahs. I've gone Timothy Tavatavawai for Mono Pacifica. Um, he was great for them. And then I've gone Stephen Perifeta uh, at 15, who, again, is playing great football. Struth. I think you've got more Blues players than me. <laughs> I thought you'd like that one, Jip. So, I thought you'd like that one. It's quite uh, tough. Maybe it's the one and three, but uh, we got there in the end. Yeah, I, I agree. Loosehead was tough. I've gone with Hodgman, but you know you could have picked um, a number of guys there. I thought the group was great. Norris, obviously, impact off the bench. Ross, um, Bauer as well. I thought he, he, I agree with you, but he was really strong, especially in his power game. Um, in terms of his carries and cleans, so uh, but I went Alex. Uh, his work off the ball and, and some of his cleanouts were, were outstanding and created opportunities. So uh, went with him there. I went Makaleo as well, even though Cody Taylor did a grubber and Reese Marshall did a chip and chase. I, I think Makaleo's um, back-to-back efforts. Um, he he was outstanding and energetic, and uh, they're a great little combo. Um, you know. Makaleo and Marshall, so it's a, it's a little shining light for the Highlanders at the moment. I went Franks at Tighthead. I, I, you know, you can't buy experience, and what, you know, I sort of spoke about it last week, uh, the importance of that experience and how valuable he can be off the bench for the Canes going into the finals. Um, and, I, you know, he was he was massive alongside Colsey um, and, and getting the Canes across, across the line there. I went Tucker, obviously. He's my player of the round. Uh, Sam Whitelock. Um, I went, uh, I put Mickey Alitu at six and Hoskins at eight, went for Gamble at seven, uh, Christie at nine, I went Gilbert at ten, I, I agree, I think Richie and Bodie were, were great um, and, and probably as expected, but I think Gilbert was a surprise package and, and that's why I picked him. I went Thomas Umunga Jensen at 12, um, I went Heem at 13 and on the wings I went Hambossi from the drawer. Uh, anyone with wheels like that, it's hard to leave out of a Form 15. Uh, the right wing, I put Hodge because I thought he was great and, and I wanted to acknowledge him um, so I could fit Will Jordan in um, to the 15 spot. Hmm. 
And uh, if you've been uh, tuning in to rugbypass.com and putting in your entries, uh, you would have been in competition with Grant Ferguson, who won the prize this week for a subscription to rugbypass.com. It's not long now until we start looking at who the person is who's going to come and join us on the show. So we look forward to seeing that. Uh, interesting point from the weekend. You, you mentioned Cody and Dane over the last few minutes. Um, is there a new tactic with line-out throws, uh, the line-out grubber, um, possibly, Jipper? <laughs> That's... <laughs> a new thing that everyone's doing? You never know, mate. You never know. Inventive players, hookers. You know? <laughs> the, 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 the creative geniuses of most teams. The, the bounce pass was uh, a new invention, I think, for the weekend in Super Rugby, definitely. I'm sure there would have been a couple yeah. of drinks in the court session afterwards for uh, <laughs> two outstanding throw-ins. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, hey, there's a few big things in the international scene. Now we'll talk Super Rugby. Obviously, in the last week or so, we've had some big announcements. Australia and the USA um, host for the 2027 and 2031 Men's Rugby World Cup. How important is that um, for those countries, Bryn? Uh, I suppose Australia, who haven't been at their heights as they used to be, and USA, which is a place that rugby is forever trying to get into. Yeah, I think it's great for Australia to be able to host again. They've done it before and, um, you know, they always put on great spectacles with over, over our time being able to play in Super Rugby or I can imagine the All Black boys um, have fond memories of like playing in Australia consistently. But look, I think the, the American one is going to be great for World Rugby. Uh, look, if that MLR competition can, can continue for the next, you know, four or five years to gain a bit of uh, momentum, uh, that sets it up really well for the Eagles and um, getting into that market because you're right, Ross, it has been a long time. We've wanted to go into that market, be able to have the brand out there for New Zealand rugby or just rugby in general because of just what, what it can offer and knowing how big it can be if America really takes off. And so having the opportunity to have the World Cup in America um, is going to be a great um, opportunity for, for rugby and world rugby and hopefully get into that market. Um, and so, like I said, hopefully that MLR competition continue to keep gaining momentum. And then when it comes to, you know, that, that year um, and, you know, in a few years' time, um, it'll be everything coming together and hopefully a great spectacle in America. It's a hell of a congested market, though. A lot of people have gone there, tried and failed and left having not made the mark they wanted to. Jip, how do they go about making the 2031 World Cup work for permanent success in the States? It's now. Um, I think the MLR is growing. Um, people are wanting to be a part of it. Um, a lot of players are attracted to the lifestyle. Uh, it's not so much, um, you know, going for the big contract offers of Japan and France, but the lifestyle and the ability to travel around the States is, is quite enticing. Um, and, it, and the more that comp starts to expand and grow, um, by 2031, you, you'd be hoping that there's a good percentage of that massive population, um, you know, understanding the game a little bit more, um, and having the ability to sort of, um, you know, get them behind their side um, and home venues, but also learn about, um, you know, other countries and, and, and the skill set they can show. Uh, because if, if they can crack that market, uh, I think we all know um, it's, it'll be only a good thing for our game. Mm. The other big thing around the world right now, the, the idea of the Nations Championship, which kind of got shot down a year or so ago, and the Club World Cup, being back in the discussion after Rugby Bosses met in Dublin last week. Bryn, are you a fan? Do you think it's going to work within what is an incredibly packed schedule? Oh, I think, you know, as a player, and you're probably as fans, you'd love that idea. 
to be able to happen. But I guess, you know, it's been able to get the powers of be collectively um, from the home nations of different countries, been able to all come together and, and run it together. Um, so that's probably been the, um, the stopping barrier in the past. And so for it to happen, it's everybody's got to be able to, to accept and been able to compromise probably is the word, um, which probably is tough to do um, in some unions and that. But um, look, if they can get it all done, Ross and Jip, I think, you know, we both know that it'd be a great spectacle for fans to be able to see something different and seeing different um, styles going up against uh, different styles at the best um, best place in the world. So um, fingers crossed that it can happen. Is there a united desire, do you think, Jip, to make this happen? Do you think that people can come together and, and allow this global calendar to finally come to fruition? Oh, you'd like to think so, um, because from a player's and a fan's point of view, especially the club championship, mm. that, that just excites the hell out of me um, to, you know, sort of get get a, 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 you know, a worldwide club winner bragging rights, the ability to play different opposition, um, you know, is obviously key for us here in New Zealand that we don't now have the, the, the South Africans in, in Super Rugby. So anything like this, um, you know, happening every four years or two years, however they um, come up with it, uh, you know, just excites me for the game. Um, I think it'll be great for it. And, you know, I'm a codehead, mate, so any sort of Nations um, Nations Cup or anything test match-wise, I'm into it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm into, into all of it. Now, we want to see some new revenue streams, and I suppose taking Kiwi teams into foreign areas could allow that as well, as well as the money you get from the broadcasting. Could be new kinds of sponsorship deals, all sorts of things like that that could really help the game as well. Now, going even bigger, uh, we've been doing Rethinking Rugby now for a little while. Uh, a few weeks, every week, we get something from one of you out there who watches or listens to the podcast, and you tell us where you think we could change the game of rugby to make it a better fit. Now, this week, we've got a really interesting concept. In order to speed up the game, stop so many collapsed scrums, and get a little bit more action on the field than we get currently. The idea is that knock-ons should only result in scrums in either 22. Now, guys, if you're going to have a tap or a free kick in all of the areas between the 22s, would that do good things for the game, do you think, Bryn? <laughs> As a purist, uh, probably not. Um, but I think to you know, I think the way I actually had a look at this around um, that that idea, and being able to maybe have a stop clock around, um, you know, the amount of time that it actually takes to reset a scrum, there might be a certain number, you know, a minute or minute twenty, thirty, whatever it may be, as a number to be able to get the reset scrum done in that amount of time. Um, because I think the rug, you know, the the scrums are a massive part in being able to win win games. Um, look, if you have a dominant set piece. Um, it, it goes a long way for you to be able to, to win games. And it's probably letting the other teams off the hook that don't have a strong set piece wise taking that out of the game um, helps them a little bit more. So um, for me, um, you know, the idea I can understand it for as a fan, being able to take um, these, these less stoppages. But for me, I guess it's that time having a, a shot clock like they do in league to be able to get these scrums in a certain amount of time, whereas there's a free kick given uh, to the team or, or something like that. You don't want to take all the scrums away from Jipper. Maybe give him a chance to have it first. That's why I was waiting for you to, to go to Jumper first to see what he said. <laughs> Mate, I, I read it, and I, look, I, I kind of like it, and obviously, Ross, you gave me a shot across the bow last week for pretty much saying no to every innovation that's come across the table. <laughs> um, but I, I like this one. Um, I do like the idea of the clock as well. I, I saw an article saying that, you know, um, scrums and lineouts are such an important part of rugby's identity. 
um, to try and get rid of them, you know, then we'd end up probably just looking like leagues. So keeping them, I, I do believe, is key. Um, but the idea, um, you know, this this viewer uh, described it well enough for me to understand what they're getting at is, is the pressure um, situations coming out of 22s or you're on hard attack in 22s. Um, and, and it actually adds to the spectre of the game, whereas in between that, um, you know, they believe that it, it maybe just be better w with a quick tap. And so I'm, I'm going to give this one the tick, Ross. Yes. I'm going to say this one's a goer. <laughs> Excellent. Let's do it. Let's do it. Take it to World Rugby. I thought I'd never ever hear the day where you say no more scrums. <laughs> Unbelievable. Not no more scrums. It's, it's not no more scrums, bro. It's just limiting scrum, sorry. Uh, between the scrums. 22s. Limiting them between the 22s. Wow. Never thought I'd hear it. Goodness me. This, this is a revelation. I'm completely shocked. But the good news is that um, I've been to the hotel in Dublin that the uh, World Rugby stay in when they have these kind of meetings, and it's pretty plush, like, uh, the, the lifts are better than your average house. Um, so I think we take this to Dublin, we take the free flight, we take the hotel rooms, we go take it up there. And if we don't get it by, at least we've got a week on them of good times. That's the idea. Yeah. That's the idea, Ross. We guys are great. We can celebrate at the Guinness factory too. A hundred percent. Okay, well, that's great. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. Keep sending them in. We want to keep seeing your ideas come in. We like the idea of speeding up the game. We like the idea of less resets. Uh, Bryn obviously is a person far more committed to scrumming than anybody else because, geez, he gets his hands on the ball enough um, no matter what. But after the scrums, he's definitely got his hands on the ball, right? So he's never going to want to get rid of that. That's it, mate. No, that's it. Shot sounds pretty good to me. Okay, lads, let's have a look at the weekend ahead. The penultimate round of the regular season in Super Rugby Pacific. It starts off with your boys, Brenner, against the Drua. Obviously, you're going to say you've got to win there, and I think most likely, Jip, this is a, a lay down his ear. Yeah, Crusaders at home. Yeah, next game. Reds versus Moana Pacifica. This is actually quite a big game for the Reds who've gone off the boil four straight losses. Where do you see it going, Bryn? Uh, I'm going to go Reds. Be able to get some vital points uh, for the competition back into the finals. Chip? Yeah, I think the Reds as well. They showed enough on attack um, with James O'Connor back. They'll, they'll just need to show a little bit more steel on defence. Um, and at home, I think they'll do that. Where do you see the Chiefs' force going, Jibber? Chiefs. Chiefs are home for you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, now, the Hurricanes. We've talked a lot about the Chiefs and the Hurricanes today. Hurricanes at home against the Rebels, Bryn. Uh, I'll go Hurricanes. Yeah, I reckon Hurricanes. They, they, they'll be on notice, though, after their, their turnaround against the Chiefs. Um, but I think they'll get it done at home. Uh, they'll be wanting to try and get five points later to try and challenge the Chiefs for that fourth spot. Okay, the top of the table game. The Brumbies at home against the Blues. Jipper, you think the Blues are going to win away? Well, it won't be easy, but <laughs> I think they'll win. No, I think, yeah. I think, uh, I think the Blues win. A, it'll be a, a tight encounter. If they can get Rob Valentini back and Noah Lollisier, sorry, um, Lollisier back, um, it, yeah, it'll help the Brumbies, but I think the Blues are too strong at the moment with how they're playing. Great. And Highlanders versus the Waratahs. This is a good test for both of these sides, Brent. Yep. Uh, where's that been played? That's been played in Dunedin. Uh, I'll go with the Highlanders, uh, but it'll be a tight, a tight tussle. 
But uh, the Highlanders, after their performance against the Force, some fun and some form at the back end of the comp. Yeah, agreed. I think the Highlanders have to win um, to, to give themselves the belief that they can go um, the whole way. And maybe jump into that eighth spot and have a crack at the Blues. Who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, OK, thank you very much again, guys. Uh, welcome home. Bryn, great to have you back. Good luck for the game this weekend, Jipper. Great analysis as always. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for your time, both of you. Cheers, boys. Cheers, guys. Great. We'll see you next week on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Remember to catch all the action this week on Sky Sport and all the analysis on rugbypass.com. We'll see you later. Matewa.